everyone. It's Gracie with the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. So glad you're back. We're grateful to you for listening. Today, we're sharing our eighth episode on healing from trauma as a school community. Sadly, we've seen a recent uptick in traumatic events with many of our school partners in Washington, D.C. More and more, learning to heal from trauma as a school is becoming a requisite for educator wellness. For this, we were grateful to speak with Dr. Danielle Palmer and Monique Leopold, co-founders of Bridges Mental Health, a mental health consulting agency that supports DC schools. Their school healing work comes from a lot of lived experience. Danielle worked for many years as a school clinician, and Monique still works as a full-time school psychologist in DC public schools, in addition to running Bridges. In our conversation, Monique and Danielle walk us through the process of how a school would ideally handle a traumatic incident so it can address both student and staff wellness. They also help us make important connections between the immediate interventions that should happen after a traumatic event and the ongoing attention to staff wellness within a school environment. We also discuss why it's so important to have a crisis plan in place before a difficult event happens, the ideal way for school leadership to respond during moments of crisis, what wellness practices can help a school staff grow closer together during difficult moments, and also what could divide everyone, and much more. We hope this conversation can support you during any difficult moments at your school and can help inspire the important healing these challenging situations can bring when they are met with wellness. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. And we're here today with Danielle Palmer and Monique Leopold. Thank you both so much for being here. And I'd like to start just hearing a little bit about you and how you came to do the work that you do, why you're interested in educator wellness, and what you're excited about right now. So can we start with you, Danielle? Sure. So again, I'm Danielle Palmer, and I'm a school psychologist, and I've worked in the D.C. schools in charter, public, and we, I kind of stumbled upon the educator wellness work. Of course, being in the schools, um, it was something that I've always participated in and tried to support, but just kind of more formally, a colleague asked us to work with them on a project and Monique and I kind of just dove right into the literature and became like super excited and saw the intersection between our work, our trauma interests, and we've kind of been kind of running with it since then. Awesome. And how about you, Monique? So similar to Danielle, I always call her my partner in crime. Um, I'm also a school psychologist by profession. I've worked in both public schools and also charter schools and have always been just really fascinated and passionate about the intersection of mental health and young people and education. And Danielle and I, in doing that work, also are the practice group leaders for the D.C. community of practice through the Behavioral Health Expansion Grant. And so in doing that, we have been having lots of conversations, obviously, about trauma-informed practices in schools, which has lended itself to talking about educator and student wellness. And so, as Danielle mentioned, we... We stumbled upon it on a project that we collaborated with with some colleagues and really had an opportunity to dig deep into the research of educator wellness and looking at the components of stress, teacher stress, teacher burnout. And so here we are talking about it. It's something that we're both really passionate about and get to talk about a lot, which we really like. Well, and I have to say that when I met you two and I found out our connection, which I'll explain in a second, I was like, like with celebrities, like, <laughs> because through Empower Ed, we, we are one of the Aussie grantees, which is our state superintendent of education here. 
And we're doing school wellness. And part of what this grant was about was a three-tiered approach. And as soon as Scott and I saw this three-tiered approach, we're like, this is everything. It's all that we've been learning that like teacher wellness is not about teachers managing their stress better. It's about the system also changing. So it doesn't create so much stress. So anyway, when I found out that you all were the ones who like helped to write that institute and brought the pyramid in, it's just been like really so helpful and people automatically get it when we show it to them. And I, I really think that even just bringing that framework in has just done a lot for educator wellness. So yeah, literally every time we have a workshop, people are like, and I really like how like you showed us that pyramid at the beginning. And like, I really like how the individual is the smallest part of it. So you really know it's not all just on us for our wellness. Like there's deeper things below it. So it is the foundation of like really getting that understanding that this is going to be different, that we're going to approach wellness more holistically. Yeah, so uh, it's really, really great to hear from both of you. And I, I, I know that, you know, you're dealing with this every day. But, you know, unfortunately, we've just seen such a uptick and traumatic events. And many of our current school partners in Washington, D.C., as well as just schools throughout the district and in our school communities. And just wanted to see if you could maybe walk us through a timeline of how a school ideally handles a traumatic incident in both in ways that it's going to address the student wellness, but also the staff. Sure. I think one thing when we're thinking about the timeline too, and, and this might the way that we describe this might not necessarily be a timeline, but the things that we feel like are really important when traumatic events are happening in a school and and just also in gathering information from some of our colleagues, some of our teacher friends, some of our, our friends who work in schools who have really actually experienced events and kind of picking their brain on what does this and should this look like for you? I think the thing that comes up just first and foremost is this idea that the school community should just name what happened. And in doing so, that definitely creates a, a culture of making sure that students and staff feel validated. And it also just normalizes this idea that traumatic events do happen. Grief and loss does happen. And so I think first and foremost, just making sure that schools are naming this, this is what happened and our community is impacted by it. I think the second thing is also just making sure schools have some sort of crisis plan or protocol that in that protocol makes sure that it addresses students and staff members and our families. So a lot of times, too, when we experience a, a traumatic events in school, we have to make sure that we're, we're thinking about our families. The student support is the thing that I think is the go-to a lot. So when an event happens, how are we going to support our students? And a lot of that centers around making sure that, you know, staff are continuing to create safe and supportive and consistent spaces for kids. This idea that with grief, everyone wants to feel like they can fix grief, that they can take it away. But sometimes for our students who are experiencing these events, it's this idea of just being okay with being present for them. Um, and then with the teacher support, again, we we oftentimes forget our, our teachers and our staff. And a lot of that support needs to happen around helping staff understand how to manage their own emotions and supporting them and supporting the kids. Because again, grief and trauma feel like these really daunting things that happen in their heart. But how do we support our teachers and our staff in giving them the information of like, how do grief and trauma show up? What are some things that you, you were going to see and how well do you feel prepared 
to um, handle different situations that might actually come up in your classroom in the hallways. And then also, I would say just making sure that teachers feel safe. And again, that they're checked on, that they're asked, are you okay? How are you doing? Because I, I think that that's a really important piece to making sure that schools are addressing incidents in a way that is acknowledging that this thing happened. Yeah, and I love that just obviously making sure we recognize that the impact is also on our educators, but the explicit asking of how they're doing. Danielle, do you want to add anything on to that? I think Monique summed it up really well, but I think just really emphasizing that giving teachers that time and that space, because when you think these things happen, typically we're back in school the next day, but we're trying to just kind of figure out what to do. And teachers don't often get that space before they're in front of kids. So thinking about when you think about your crisis plan, like where do you, where do you provide that space for teachers to kind of gather themselves before having to be in front of kids to support the kids? And one thing I think also would be really helpful just as a team is just reflecting on that crisis plan after a crisis happened. So we have this plan in place. It looks great on paper, you know, but now we had to implement it. What things went really well? What things maybe do we need to tweak or what did we notice? What feedback did we get? Get that feedback from your team. You know, like how did you all feel after, you know, we operated this way for the day and then think about like how you can continue to revamp that plan. We do a lot of drills. We have a lot of, you know, things written down, but when you're in the moment, you learn a lot about the process, about what people actually need. And then you can kind of think about like, okay, how do I go back and make sure that everyone feels supported? Like we may have nailed it with the kids, but our staff was really suffering. So how do we go back and revamp our plan to make sure that everyone feels safe, supported and connected in those moments? What I hear and what you're saying is that like space for reflection is really mm-hmm. to not look at it like, well, we did that and that's done and we have to move on, but you need to go and look back and be able to learn for the future that it's an ongoing process. Absolutely. And I'm also struck just by the simplicity of some of it. And I, I want people to hear this. <laughs> so I think that sometimes in moments where something really hard happens, it I, I know I can feel this way. Like I have to say the perfect thing. I have to be the best listener in the world. And and really it is just about like naming and listening and giving space and time, which we all know that for teachers, space and time are like the two biggest commodities. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's not an easy thing, but just to remember that it doesn't have to be the biggest, fanciest thing, but it really is just about like saying it and communicating that. And well, something else that we've noticed working with partner schools is there are sadly these immediate traumas that are happening, but there's also, as we start to look at, especially the staff culture, and we start to dig back and find out about a a traumatic thing that happened like two years prior that never really got addressed. And we see that a lot of the outcroppings of school imbalance come from some of these traumatic incidences that weren't addressed well in the moment. So I would love to hear how you see this connection around like immediate trauma response and also the ongoing culture of staff wellness and how those two things fit together. Definitely a connection between kind of staff wellness and and kind of like trauma response. One thing that I we've kind of talked about in a lot of our work is just kind of thinking about like, how do we go beyond just that immediate moment? Again, we have those plans for like those immediate crises, but we don't think about what that looks like long-term and how do we continue to um, foster this space of wellness for our educators is usually like 
we solve the, we have the crisis, we have these things implemented. And then like the next week it's like back to business as usual. And so really challenging our school partners um, when we talk about these things in our COP or our practice groups, just thinking about like, what's that long-term plan to where we're continuously kind of coming back to this idea, idea of wellness or helping them understand how grief works. And it, it's not just this nice thing that's wrapped up nice and neatly in a bowl after this, you know, the week that this thing is passed. So really just kind of honing on like what are those kind of like long-term things that we're that we're really trying to implement so we can continue with this like idea of wellness beyond the the tragic incident i love that can you actually just walk us through how grief does work because i think it's one of these things we assume we all know but how in your experience like what what should people be thinking about when they're thinking about a, a, a school culture that's grieving I don't know, Monique, you want to jump in with that one or? Sure, sure. Yeah. And we, um, Danielle and I love, we work really closely with partners at the Went Center. And so uh, Went Center defines grief as change plus loss. And so a lot of times with grief, right, we think it just has to also be a death related incident that happens. And so when Danielle was talking about just this education around grief, so like, what are the things that students and staff could be grieving about, right? Grief doesn't live, trauma doesn't live kind of in this bubble that, okay, someone died. It could be anything that happened that was something that changed, something plus something that somebody lost, and that could be a person, it could be some sort of object. But this idea that there are ebbs and flows, right? So just because someone is grieving doesn't mean that they can't also be in the presence of joy. And so I think this idea that grief means sadness and darkness and kind of... um isolation. It's a really hard concept to understand that you can also be grieving, but also feel at times joyful and happy. And so I think a lot of the tier one information that we've been trying to promote to schools is around this idea of this is what grief can look like. This is how grief works. And again, just this idea that grief doesn't always and also go away. And so that's why Again, this idea of in coming up with a plan for a, a school community, it has to almost be a plan for like week one, month one, you know, a few months down the road um, with just these continual check-ins because after an event happens, you know, people are still grieving and it might manifest and show up in different ways for both staff and students. Yeah. I mean, as you talked about, like the, these can, when the event occurs, obviously there's a need for just the immediate support and the long-term support, but also these are happening in environments where there already are traumas, where there already are, you know, where there already is a lack of a wellness culture in the school. And so sometimes, you know, the moment where they're going to bring in a partner to deal with something is that explicit moment of trauma, of grief among the staff, but then they're going to peel back you know, the engine a little bit and see actually there's a lot more that was there already, right? And so there's everything the school already had underlying it in a culture of wellness or a lack of it. And then the grief and trauma that kind of builds on top of it. And a lot of this often falls upon the school leader to get the strategy right and also set the tone and and how they act themselves and how they, right? Do we get right back to things? Do we actually make the space for this? But I want to just hear from you a little bit about how you coach principals to be responsive and help the healing process at their schools? That's a great question. I think one thing that we encourage our principals to do is to be human, be vulnerable in those moments, to 
kind of acknowledge that this is hard and that this is, you know, something that's difficult to, to deal with. I may be struggling with that. So one, just kind of showing that human side. I think Scott, as you said, like principles feel like I have to fix everything. I have to have everything lined up. It has to be perfect. And then they don't get that moment to kind of just be human. And, and sometimes staff can connect with that. I'm just saying like, this is a really difficult time and just, you know, like being human and being and normalizing kind of what's going on and what they're experiencing is something that we, you know, really encourage our principals to to think about and try to connect with their with their staff. I think also we try to encourage them just again, as Monique was sharing, just to have like a understanding of what grief looks like, what this could mean in their school community, so they can recognize the different ways that this may show up for their staff and their students. So just kind of making sure that they're really knowledgeable about what this looks like, because, you know, it's not in any of our principal training manuals or like your education or things like that. So, you know, these are things that they're learning as they go along. So really trying to make sure that they have that, that knowledge and understanding. Things you want to add, Mom? Yeah, I think also as we talk about educator wellness and, you know, this framework, I think what is really helpful for principals, and I, I know where we are, are trying to spread the the message of this, but just getting their understanding and, and making sure that they have an understanding of what educator wellness is and what the components are that contribute to educator wellness. And so the first thing is kind of their like buy-in of how important it is to make sure that your students, excuse me, that your staff are well, because that, you know, research tells us that that has significant impacts when your staff is well, you see positive results for students. And so just on the surface level, having conversations with them about educator wellness. And then I think just beyond that is having them just engage their community in sort of like a needs assessment, right? And so I, I think sometimes with wellness, it's you know, some schools are like, yeah, we can like throw t-shirts, we can buy lunch. But I think that sometimes the engagement with your staff in a solutions focused way, uh, like what is it that that my community needs? What is it that they want? And then I think similar to what Danielle said, principles and being human and showing that humanistic side. I know staff really appreciate when they are in buildings, when admin they feel like admin are in the trenches with them, that they are also a team player, that, you know, they have that kind of roll up their sleeves mentality, that they also, you know, want to get in and they want to support and that they acknowledge that this is really hard, but that wellness is also important. And I think a lot of that comes from even just wellness, this idea that just celebrating people, celebrating and acknowledging adults in the work that they do. And so Danielle and I are always talking about like, how can we push leaders to go sort of beyond that tip of the iceberg? Because yeah. we want to make yeah. sure that there is like true change in the environment and the climate because that ultimately impacts their adult culture. And so... Well, it's so great to hear that articulated from the inventors of the pyramid. So like, <laughs> but that's exactly right. What we always talk about when we introduce it, right? Which is like we played this video at the beginning of our workshops where, you know, the principal's like, you know, I had a choice between basically deeper educator wellness work or Chick-fil-A breakfast. So you can see I chose the Chick-fil-A breakfast. And like, you know, it's it's a little bit teasing, but like, but the reality is that we fall back on the things we know how to do often. Mm -hmm. And it's long, hard work for people to actually sit with a representative group of staff 
enough and get and go deeper and figure out what the school actually needs. What are the needs of that school community? And what we've learned from all of our work is that that is really, really different in every school. There, mm-hmm. you know, there are commonalities about how student behavior, for example, is affecting the mental health and wellness of, of educators or how, how cohesive the staff culture is and how they feel bonded together as a team or the degree to which they have or don't have flexibility in their job and the balance with their own personal lives. So there are themes that run across every school, but you really have to get a group of educators together at the school that's representative to figure out what is the plan that's going to work for us to get at those root causes. So I really love to hear you name that. Schools are really interesting places for wellness too, because social and emotional learning is named all the time. I was like being really important for students and we're doing this. And then I just, I, I'm like, but what about the adults? Like, I think there's just this like belief that we have that when you turn 18, you've like gotten everything socially and emotionally that you need, which is, we, you all know, it's not the truth. Right. So I think schools are these really ripe environments that like people have the vocabulary already and the mm-hmm. students need it. And just to like bring that awareness to what's happening with the adults in the building, their own emotional lives and social lives. So it's, I think we just have to connect these two dots. That's what it feels like. And I think this idea that wellness is multifaceted, right? So like wellness, how I define wellness might be different than how you, Gracie, define wellness. And I think that sometimes that can be like a tension in schools of, you know, like a consensus in trying to figure out what wellness means to the greater community where, you know, some people might not feel like they can get wellness from their school community or school envi- environment while others are, are craving certain things. And so I do think it is kind of figuring out the unique needs of your school community and like, what does wellness look here in this particular building in this community? Absolutely. I, and this is why we're, we are really passionate that like, we don't think this is like school wellness could be a module training that you could take, you know, mm-hmm. like it has to be a relationship based. It has to be the listening process and the looking at all the different assets of culture. Well, I would love to hear about any successes that you all have witnessed recently in terms of educator wellness. And they can be successes that you've helped to create or just what you've seen, because I, I think that the, the odds are, you know, they really do stack up sometimes around what the realities are. So we really need to like draw out these successes. Absolutely. Yes. Because otherwise it can feel really hard if you don't have these wins that you can kind of pull on. We've, we, in our community of practice, we have some schools that are doing educator wellness really well, and they're kind of figuring out different ways that they can kind of incorporate this kind of beyond, as Monique said, the tip of the iceberg, beyond the t-shirt or things like that, where they're actually incorporating, you know, getting information from their staff and kind of using that to facilitate, you know, different wellness strategies at different levels of the kind of pyramid and things like that. I w- I can say uh, Monique and I worked together at a school previously, and one thing that came up that was really challenging for our educators was just kind of understanding students with special needs and their behaviors and just they were really struggling with our like high flyer kids, like our tier three kids. So we developed a um, like a teacher training institute kind of situation and partnership with Children's Hospital here in DC, where we had different doctors kind of come in and talk about different aspects of just understanding mental health, understanding the brain. And then Monique and I supplemented that information with, okay, now how does this apply to you in the classroom? And we had great success with that program. It was really fun for us to do because again, you know, there's something that we're really passionate about, but it really helped us kind of 
I think that may have been our first actually at moment where we looked at educator wellness kind of beyond just kind of like being okay and kind of understanding that, you know, feeling knowledgeable and feeling successful in your job contributes to your wellness and, you know, your efficacy as a teacher and things like that. So that was one of our kind of one of our babies that we created at our previous school that really helped contribute. And the feedback we got from teachers was, you know, they felt more prepared in the classroom. They felt like they had a better understanding of some of the their students' needs and they felt, you know, like better as an educator. So that was one win that I think that was really meaningful for us. And like I said, really started to expand our thinking about around like what educator wellness could really look like in me. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, as we close out, I want to ask one more thing, which is just kind of, you know, this work isn't doesn't always go smoothly and not everybody's invested in it, right? Not everybody wants to do it, right? So how do you deal with opposition and when you meet opposition and how do you maintain hope in the work, even when, you know, the, not everybody might be a willing partner or that you might encounter obstacles that, that make it really tough? I think one of the things is to think about the work and and who and what it's in service of. And so as someone who's still in the schools, it's all about the kids. And so the work with the kids is, I think, what is the thing that helps me maintain hope is that we are doing this work in service that kids can get the supports they need, that they can be successful that we are working hard because we have this belief that they can be and do what they want. And and also this notion that it takes a village, right? So when everybody steps up and everybody does their part and there's some level of accountability, it definitely creates this hopeful environment. But it is, the work is hard and the work is tireless and it's not very thankful often, but I think that in service of, you know, student success and student well-being. Yeah. I think when you see those small wins, you're like, oh, I've been putting in so much work or so much effort. And you see those small wins, whether it is, you know, an impact directly on a student or a teacher that you've been working really hard to coach up to, you know, be in the classroom. I think it's those small wins that really kind of keep you going. And you're like, okay, like it's worth it. You know, the, the effort and the work is worth it. But I think also just honestly seeing the shifts that we're seeing in schools, Currently, so uh, Gracie, you were talking about just like understanding like social emotional learning and how that's being infused a lot for the kids. But for a while, that wasn't the case. You know, school was all about you come here to learn and that's it. And so I really appreciate also just the direction that schools are moving in to recognize that this is something that's important and that we're even talking about wellness and we're even thinking about how are we going to support our educators? How are we providing students with skills that they need beyond math and, and reading? So that provides me a lot of hope to just say like we're getting it like okay we're we're starting to understand and we're starting to see those shifts within our educational system so that gives me hope that we'll continue to come go down this path and that you know things will you know just be better for our students and our staff in the education environment awesome thank you both so much dr daniel palmer and monique leopold you all have so much experience and wisdom and and i feel your energy your enthusiasm is really (laughs) inspiring too so thank you for being here with us and and yeah sharing so much Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for having us. Thanks, everybody. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, please pass it along to another educator wellness advocate and rate us five stars so others can discover our podcast. We also hope you stay in touch. We'd love to hear your questions, ideas, and recommendations for future podcast guests and themes. Just email us at 
wellness at weareempowered. That just looks like weareempowered.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and TikTok with the same handle as empowereddc or visit us at weareempowered.org. Thanks again. We are all part of this educator wellness revolution and we really appreciate your time and energy. Mm -hmm.